हमें जो आजादी ऐसे बड़ी आसानी से हम लोग बड़े आजादी को एक्सपीरियंस करते हैं वो आजादी हमें ऐसे ही नहीं मिली इस आजादी के लिए कई लोगों ने कई रिवॉल्यूशन हुए कितनी क्रांतियां हुई और उस क्रांति में कौन कौन शामिल था किस तरह की आजादी है और आजादी का इतिहास क्या है ये समझना बहुत जरूरी है और इस समझने के लिए भी हमारे साथ में इस देश के जाने माने लेखक मिस्टर वैभव पुरंदरे हैं एंड टुडेज टॉपिक इज़ स्टोरी ऑफ रिवॉल्यूशन अगेंस्ट द ब्रिटिश इन इंडिया आई थिंक वी शुड स्टार्ट मिस्टर वैभव Conversation, and I really want to start with this question: Is that can we please brief us that how a revolt went on after 1857? Because 1857 we are much aware of, but what happened after 1857? Yeah, just a small correction in my profile. I currently work with the Times of India, uh, not with the Hindustan Times. Oh, great. Uh, to get on with our main subject. Uh, you are absolutely right that when we read about our freedom struggle in our textbooks whether it's our school textbooks or our university textbooks we either read about the 1857 revolution right we come straight to the period in which we led the freedom struggle that is from 1920s onwards until 1947 much of what happened in between is unknown to most of us and certainly yes, not written about in any great detail in our school and university textbooks yes. not even in in our mainstream history books it's only recently that we have looking in depth at this period after the 19 after the 1857 revolt was crushed by the british in 1858 59 we have also read in our textbooks about how in the 18th from the 1870s onwards there were revolutionaries like vasudev balwant phadke who sacrificed their lives uh, for india's freedom and in the 1890s we know about the chapekar brothers who in right. killed two british officials and that was really the beginning of the activities of indian revolutionaries against the british raj but what we know very little about is that at this time during this period there were a lot of indian patriots who were actively working for indian independence abroad outside india so we know about fadke we know about the chapekars but we know very little about vinayak damodar savarkar's activities in england for 5 years he lived in england and he carried on activities for the independence of his homeland from english soil for 5 years and he led a group of young and patriotic indians in england there were others working alongside him right in the uk like there was virendra patyay who was the brother of sarojini naidu he was a close associate of uh savarkar in london and a very bright young indian from bengal he went there to study his indian civil services uh, course but instead he got drawn into the freedom movement and he became one of the revolutionaries associated with savarkar then there was pandit shamji krishna verma who set up a hostel for indians in in the uk in london where okay, that way they have contributed uh, where in secret, where secret yeah where secretly patriotic activities were going on and he was the one who patronized savarkar gave him a scholarship brought him to england so that savarkar in the guise of studying for a law course could actually carry on nationalistic activities there behind the scenes right then apart from chattopadhyay there was niranjan pal who was the son of bipin chandra pal the famous indian nationalist he was a very close friend and associate of savarkar's then there was also madanlal dhingra who was from uh, from the punjab and madanlal dhingra's family was extremely close to british officials in india and he went there ostensibly to study engineering but again in the guise of studying engineering he was secretly working for india's freedom 
and he was following instructions from Savarkar on what to do, what not to do. And it was Dhingra who actually carried the first political assassination on English soil of a British official called Curzon Wiley. And this assassination took place in the year 1909. It was directed entirely by Savarkar and his group, and it was carried out by Dhingra. During a function that was going on in England, in the UK, in 1909. And the killing of Curzon Wiley created a sensation in England. And the British newspapers and the European media and the Indian media were full of the stories of this killing, how Indian revolutionaries had entered England and they were now creating havoc in the heart of the British Empire. Now, this is, this is all a, a story that we are never told about in our history books. Right. Though it is very much a, a, a very central part of India's freedom struggle and certainly a part of a central part of India's freedom struggle before the arrival of Mahatma Gandhi on the scene. Right. I think we are uh, before hopping to, uh, on to uh, the year 1920, I, I would like to ask because after, you know, a Modi government came into power, uh, it is a big elephant in the, um, uh, you know, room that is the uh, Savarkar after uh, Rahul, uh, Rahul Gandhi's statement also. Uh, you might be aware of that. So now, yeah. uh, when the Savarkar comes, it's the most con controversial personality of the uh, nation that have been considered. Uh, many of the people don't consider him as a freedom fighter also because they don't uh, consider his work and the, his dedication and uh, his all work towards it. How do you uh, define his character as a Savarkar in the as a revolution? and uh, how he helped in the revolt of you know getting in uh, india independent his avarkar is indeed a controversial figure that is because he started out his life as a revolutionary and later he became a champion of hindutva and he wrote the original text hindutva right now rahul gandhi has called him a uh, uh, stooge of the British. He said that uh, he was writing apology letters to the British when Gandhi and Nehru mm. were sleeping on of a jail cell in India. Rahul Gandhi seems to suffer from a complete lack of awareness of Indian history. That's the problem. He is completely unaware of what has happened. Now, Savarkar is a controversial figure. You may agree or disagree with Savarkar. He was certainly a revolutionary hero in the first phase of his uh, political career because he was the leader, as we as we just discussed, of a group of patriotic Indians who carried the flag of Indian independence in the early part of the 20th century. And he sacrificed a great deal for the cause of India's freedom. He was sent to Kalapani, the Andaman and Nicobar jail in the year 1911, and he was there for 10 years. Right. And I think, and what the uh, uh, important thing you suffered, mentioned that uh, that. Oh, gee. Yeah, and he suffered a great deal of torture. So he is certainly a freedom fighter. Now there are various points of view about the second phase of his political career when he becomes a champion of Hindutva, and it is a fact that in later years he grew more and more anti-Muslim, and he said a lot of things against the Muslim community, he bracketed the Muslim community as anti-national, as anti-Indian, as separatist, as communal, and and uh, as a community that was against Hindu interests altogether. There can be various views on that, because is it fair to bracket a whole community in that manner? I don't think so. I disagree with that view. You know, because you cannot just brand communities in a particular manner. But does that make him not a patriot in the first phase of his political career? No, he still remains a patriot. You may have different views on his Hindutva, but that does not make him any less of a patriot. And, and uh, it does not in any way reduce the kind of sacrifice he made for the freedom struggle. So to say that, you know, he was not a freedom fighter and all that just because you don't like his political ideology is unfair. 
but there can be various views about Savarkar, and I think that is one of the most fascinating things about him, that he is a contradictory figure. He is a hero. At the same time, he 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 uh, uh, aggressively attacks the Muslim community. You know, he sacrifices a great deal in the early part of his political and patriotic career. In the second half of his political career, he controversially gets involved with characters like Nathuram Godse, who then go on to assassinate the father of the nation. And then Savarkar also gets accused in the Gandhi assassination case. He's named as an accused and arrested in the Gandhi assassination case. So he's either a villain or a hero. He is either a patriot or a slave of the British. This is how perceptions about him are. One of the purposes of writing this book for me was to make it clear that all these perceptions make him an even more fascinating and interesting historical personality. And we need to study such complex historical personalities in detail to understand that they have gray areas. All of them have gray areas, whether it is Savarkar or Mahatma Gandhi or Pandit Nehru or Vallabhai Patel or Bose. And if we start speaking in terms of black and white, we are somewhere being unfair to them as well. I will give an example of how we are being unfair to them. Please. When Savarkar wrote his book, The First War of Indian Independence, which is about the 1857 revolt, Pandit Nehru, who was then studying in the UK, read that book and he wrote to his father, Moti Nehru in India, that what a fascinating book this is. This is the first time somebody has written about the 1857 revolt from an Indian point of view. And it's a very good response to the British villainization of the Indian heroes of the mutiny. So Nehru praised that book. Later on, Savarkar and Nehru became bitter political enemies. But when in the 1940s, Nehru was put behind bars by the British in 1941, it was Savarkar who, as the leader of the Hindu Mahasabha, which was bitterly opposed to Nehru and the Congress, put out a public statement saying that Pandit Nehru is a patriot and is a nationalist and he has sacrificed all his life for India and for the cause of India's freedom. He must be released from jail immediately by the British. Now, you know, we see on the one hand, People who are pro-Savarkar attacking Nehru. We see people who are pro-Nehru attacking Savarkar and calling each one of them a hero or a villain. But they forget to see these important shades, gray shades, at these entanglements and involvements that were always there. There were disagreements, there were agreements, but it was a very complex history. And that is what we need to understand. I want to take this conversation ahead with your book only because when you wrote the book, you must have uh, been, uh, you know, inspired by the philosophy of the Savarkar as well, uh, probably. But when we talk about the uh, philosophy of the Savarkar, he talk about the Hindutva and all and Hindu Rashtra and all. So what is the definition of his Hindu Rashtra? Because there is again, because the Hindu word might be, uh, 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 you know, pushing us to, um, you know, create a conflict. So what is the basically definition? What do you feel? Yeah, firstly, let me make it very clear that uh, when uh, a biographer takes up a subject, he is not necessarily a subject, but he finds the subject extremely fascinating. And of course, I had grown up uh, reading about Savarkar. I had read Savarkar in the original Marathi. Uh, right from childhood and I have been completely aware of his revolutionary past but it is the actually the extreme responses towards Savarkar that drove me to write the book on Savarkar that we are seeing black and white responses so we need to examine who is this personality why why does he uh, provoke such responses and that was the reason I wrote the book to study Savarkar and to tell the real Savarkar story to today's generation. As for your very important and correct question about Hindutva, now there are various definitions of Hindu nationalism itself, of Hindutva itself. I will tell you how Savarkar defined it. Savarkar said that whoever considers India its Pitrubhu, that is fatherland, and Punyabhu, that is holy land, is a Hindu. 
and those who do not consider it their holy land and fatherland are not hindus and therefore they are out of the ambit of indian nationhood now he said that the of the muslims and christians is outside india okay so they will, so they do not consider india as their holy land and they, they do not come into the ambit of nation indian nationhood according to me that actually excludes muslims and christians altogether was that a correct definition i disagree with it but that was his definition because you cannot altogether leave out muslims and christians just because their holy land is outside india right later on the rss tried to slightly make the definition of hindutva milder by saying that whoever is loyal to india is is an indian and considers india as his or her mother is an indian so there are, there are slight variations in in these definitions is savarkar's right. exclusivist does it leave out people yes it does because he was being very clear that he was he himself was not trying to hide anything he was saying yes that's what i'm saying that their loyalties will always be outside india the loyalties of muslims and christians will be outside india because the holy lands are outside india so if there is a fight between the hindu faith and the islamic faith or the christian faith the muslims or the christians will side with their own faiths and not with india but so that was a an out and out definition that he made of hindu nationalism and of the so called civilizational fight as he saw it between hinduism christian uh, christianity and islam later on in his career in the 1950s and 1960s he himself made this definition a little milder he said that actually christians are not a problem they are loyal to india but the muslims are a problem yeah but i uh, i sorry to interrupt to here because i read something yeah. uh, around it because when he was present and the jailer was muslim and he was trying to convert the hindu uh, prisoners into muslims so was it a sto correct story i heard uh, or can you please you know put light on this so i was in fact so, getting to that because you asked me about the definition i was just making the definition very clear what you have said is absolutely correct somewhere halfway through his political career when he was in kalapani jail when he was in tandamara nikobar jail savarkar went through a major ideological and intellectual transformation savarkar was one of the big champions of hindu muslim unity in the early phase of his political career and in his book about 1856 he actually advocates and gets hindu muslim unity and calls the 1857 struggle an example of uh, an outstanding example of hindu muslim unity and he says that hindus and muslims need to come together to fight the british but when he was in the port blair prison there were some muslim jailers who according to him were trying to convert hindus there they were firstly torturing hindu prisoners then they used to preach islam in the jail they used to assault the prisoners who would not follow what they were saying if a prisoner tried to say a uh, uh, promise that you know he would convert to islam or listened very carefully to these uh, jailers they would be treated these prisoners would be treated extremely leniently and so on and so forth so muslims were being being allowed to uh, to to have their prayers in the jail and the hindus were not being allowed to and he writes that most of these uh, jailers were pathans from the northwest and you know from these other regions and he says that the jailers from the from the northwest the pathans they were particularly cruel whereas those from the south were not so so cruel and fanatical and that is what changed his ideology completely and made him uh, you know convinced that hindu unity was necessary for for the rise of india as a nation and that is what led to his uh, ideological transformation so you are absolutely correct now while we may say that savarkar underwent this change in port blair prison 
he was not alone in thinking that way in port blair jail because there were some bengali prisoners who later on did not become advocates of hindutva who who have also written about some muslim jailers who were fanatical and who used to uh, treat people well if they promised to uh, convert convert to islam for instance aurobindo ghosh's brother barindra kumar ghosh was in port blair prison along with savarkar and he has also written about one particularly uh, oppressive jailer who used to torture prisoners and he has written in his book that i used to go to him and say that no i am going to convert to islam so he would did well so they they were they absolutely right that uh, it was a set of experiences that savarkar underwent in andaman jail that changed him yeah thank you thank you you just you know uh, enhanced our knowledge uh, about the savarkar and you know you are very passionate you seems very passionate when you talk about the savarkar actually and you wrote a beautiful book i read some uh, some of the uh, you know uh, pointers of your books and i will definitely get into all the you know uh, book uh now coming back to the original topic the story of the revolutionary movement uh against british in india what i uh, could yeah. know yeah. about after 1857 if i see uh, 1857 we cannot see the it is very organized uh, movement right but the yes. impact of all the movement means bahadur zafar uh, shah uh, bahadur uh, uh, rani lakshmi bai tata topet there there's all the um, uh, movements but they for own uh, goals but there were no you uh, know uh, single goal means all to uh, all they were not working sab log ek hi goal ke liye nahi ye kar rahe the the war was not it was very unorganized war um, thing yeah. but the impact was beautiful impact was like uh, um, the whole country uh, started with that after post 1857 if you see the 1990 um till 1911 so uh, how do you see the uh, that phase and who are the be- you know un- uh, unsung heroes according to you my question is quite lengthy but uh, i think you got the thing so it's a good question i think that what happened after 1857 i think is that indians who were passionate about achieving freedom realized that they needed to get organized in order to push their demands so systematically enlightened indians in various fields of life they started forming various organizations to fight for their causes whether it is obtaining basic rights or whether it is criminalizing certain things or whether it is uh, uh, disseminating information by using the press as a medium of uh, spreading information people started getting organized so in calcutta various social organizations were formed in western india in maharashtra for instance the pura sarvajanik sabha was formed in 1870 where ranade and others were involved and that is how they started making representations to the british in order to obtain rights and after 1857 happened was that the british brought in a series of laws for For instance, we know that they brought in the Indian Penal Code in 1851, 61, and then they brought in various other laws in order to suppress the population because they did not want another revolt like the one that had happened in 1857. The Indians, in response, began to organize and making started making applications that okay, we want these rights, we want these rights. you know we want the right to express ourselves so allow ourselves to allow us to start our newspapers allow us to form our social organizations and that is how they started creating awareness so as we know tilak uh, in the early 1880s and agarkar and gokhale and others they formed the deccan education society ranade was one of the leading lights then a series of newspapers were launched kesari was launched the maratha was launched Uh, in bengal a series of newspapers were launched at the same time what started happening was that along with organizations that began to form like the pune sarvajanik sabha in 1885 the indian national congress was formed uh, by uh, uh, by an englishman called uh, 
you know, uh, Alan Octavian Hume. He's the founder of the Congress. There were also secret societies that began to be formed. And these secret societies were societies formed by those who wanted to overthrow British rule by means of a revolution, by means of an armed revolution. Right. Uh, now, uh, now uh, one of the secret societies that was formed, that is, you know, the Mitram Mera, uh, which was formed in the early in the year 1900, and which later on became the Abhinav Bharat Society, was formed by Savarkar himself. It was formed in Nashik, and it was a, these were closed groups. There was the Anushilan Samiti that was formed in Bengal. There were other revolutionary groups that secretly were set up in Bengal. Aurobindo Ghosh was very much a part of it. There were other revolutionaries who were part of these groups like Khudiram Bose, who carried out the first bomb assault in India on Indian soil in the year 1908 in Muzaffarpur. So, for instance, Savarkar formed his secret society in the year 1900 and he and his set of friends started having secret meetings in a closed room, behind doors, on what could be done to create pressure on the British to leave India. Nationalist time, by the time of the arrival of Lokmanya Tilak on the scene, were divided into two broad categories. One were the moderates who believed in sending petitions to the British, saying, give us a representation on the central legislative councils, give us a seat in parliament, give us some basic concessions. And there were the extremists right. who the wanted Gopal, to assert uh, their independence. Yeah, uh, extremists were, yeah, Gokhale was a moderate and Tirak was, was the leader of the extremists. Okay. That we don't want concessions, right, right. we want rights. These are our rights. So you are not doing us a favor by giving us concessions. We want freedom. And which is why Tilak's uh, uh, sentence about Swaraj is so important. That he asserted that it's a right. We are, don't do us a favor. So even the Indian National Congress in its early years was asking for concessions. They said, no, these are our rights. This is our land. And you, are, you have to give these things to us. And the British started looking upon the extremists with particular suspicion because they were worried that they will suddenly turn to revolution and throw us out. Right. So it, uh, and on the extreme right, uh, on the on the on the on on either extreme, on the left and right, were the revolutionaries who said that no, we have to violently attack the British and throw them out. Now, the extremists led by Tilak, even though they were extremists, were very much a part of the mainstream movement. They were not, they were not using guns or bombs or any such violent means. They were still fighting in, in, within the legislative councils by forming organizations, by carrying out agitations like the Swadeshi agitation. But the revolutionaries said, no, we have to attack them. Only then will they leave India. And very interestingly, there is a there was a very healthy debate that took place between Mahatma Gandhi and the revolutionaries like Savarkar on whether violence should be used to overthrow the British Raj or not. Gandhi's argument was that violence is wrong, it should not be used. Right. And Savarkar and others were arguing that we don't like violence, we don't use violence, but we have no representation in parliament, we have no representation on the local representative bodies. So how do we really achieve our freedom? If we write something in the press, we are sent to Mandalay jail or we are sent to Port Blair. If we carry out an ag agitation, we are jailed and we are sent to jail for decades and we, either we are killed or something or some great suppression and oppression is taking place. So then how do we fight for rights non-violently? If you give us representation on the councils and on other places, we will fight a gradual fight for freedom. But you are not allowing us to, which is why we have to take up guns. We don't love violence at all. We are using violence because we don't have an option. So that is another fascinating thing in the Indian freedom movement, which uh, we have never really told about. Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about means like uh, uh, Swaraj uh, ki sapna, uh, what uh, Lokmanya Tilak was wanting for of, 
you know uh, that the same thing 1920 a sahyog andolan was the same on the same lines i suppose was it yes correct it was on the same lines but gandhi's methods were different gandhi yeah. uh said do not cooperate so that the british will have no option but to leave because if you paralyze the government machinery if you don't behave the way british want you to behave they will be forced to and so people gave up their jobs their you know uh, professors gave up their uh, teaching jobs in government uh, institutions uh, some ics officers resigned other bureaucrats resigned people uh, held morchas they were lati chas and they did not respond at all they took the latis on their uh, you know bodies and they were grievously injured some people even died in lati charges as we know lala lashtray died after one such lati charge late on, right. you know uh, uh, and others too in even govind wala pant who was injured in a lati charge died like that डिफरेंट right uh, when you know we talk about the history and the revolution when the question the common man's uh, question is that why gandhi has not supported bhagat singh what is your view point on that do you have or do you want to speak upon this topic because this is the common man's uh, you know when a uh, who doesn't read a lot but you know they have a question one question and they are very uh, you know annoyed of ki why gandhi not supported bhagat singh so i think the listeners or uh, the viewers want to uh, you know uh, get this answer of will you please spread some light on this yeah see uh, gandhi was very that he did not believe in armed revolution and hurting any fellow human being even if it was an enemy was according to him most unfair and uh, as a absolute non violence he was not a believer in relative non violence he said non violence in under any circumstances which is why he opposed revolutionaries tooth and nail he opposed savarkar's revolutionary methods as well and when bhagat singh through and, and his associates through the bomb in the assembly and were going to be hanged he again was very firm that he did not believe in their methods so he would not support any violent methods to overthrow the british raj and he remained firm about that conviction now very interestingly uh, when uh, when uh, in parts of europe some of the european governments in the 1930s started oppressing their populations uh, and even killing some of the people uh, for instance the fascists and the nazis gandhi also said that the jews for instance should fight the nazis in a nonviolent manner and at that time he was very strongly criticized by some of the jewish scholars also saying that how do you fight the nazis nonviolently because they just kill and that was bhagat singh's argument as as well that uh, that uh, you know we are being destroyed by the british so we don't love to you know kill, killing them but there was this ideological uh, difference which remained for and th- that was gandhi's conviction that under so he went to the extent of saying that even again the nazis you have to fight non violently and he remained to his conviction uh, uh, all the time right so, uh, so people, uh, i you know we all have different views about how he should have reacted but right but it is his personal opinions have... uh, thought process i suppose uh, we should leave upon his uh, philosophy that time yeah so each one has his own uh, interpretation and conclusion uh, on this thing you know uh, some of us may feel that gandhi should have reacted differently the others believe that uh, you know Gandhi having his principles all his life uh, 
was always going to stick to his principles. So what's so surprising about that? And there are some, there are, there are an equal number of people who think that uh, he was also right about what he did. So to each one his own. But as we have noted, the goal of each of these Indians was the same. That is freedom for India. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, personally, if I talk about uh, who uh, is the revol uh, revolutionary um, person who whom you get inspired by, you feel like this person is not much talk. Uh, जो सरकार सत्ता में होती है तो वो जिस विचारधारा से संबंधित है उस विचारधारा के बारे में ज्यादा लिखा जाता है अपनी पाठ्य पुस्तकों में भी कि द सरकार डिसाइड्स ना व्हाट विल बी रिटन इसलिए हम अगर देखें व्हेन वी वर ग्रोइंग अप हमेशा वी रीड अबाउट 1857 बिकॉज़ दे हैड टू राइट अबाउट 1857 या मंगल पांडे हो या लक्ष्मी बाई हो या फिर भगत सिंह राजगुरु दूसरे लोग हो या यू नो भगवती चंद्र वोरा हो भगवती वोरा हो दुर्गेश नंदर वोरा हो यू नो ऐसे इवन एनिमेशन उस मामले में भी अगर आप देखें तो हमारे हमारे जो स्टूडेंट्स हैं और और जो बड़े लोग भी हैं हमारे जैसे उनको मतलब हम हमको कई चीजें मेमोराइज की गई है कि 1920 नॉन कोऑपरेशन 1942 क्विट इंडिया एक्सेट्रा एक्सेट्रा लेकिन आप आप कितनी बातें क्रांतिकारियों के बारे में इस तरह से मेमोराइज कर चुके हैं हार्डली एनीथिंग तो मेरा कहना ये है कि इंस्टेड ऑफ बीइंग सिलेक्टिव लेट अस कॉम्प्रिहेंसिवली स्टडी द इंडियन नेशनल मूवमेंट एंड द वेरियस करंट्स ऑफ द इंडियन नेशनल मूवमेंट वेदर इट्स द रेवोल्यूशनरी करंट वेदर इट इज द मॉडरेट Congressmen, whether it is the uh, extremist congressmen and congresswomen, whether it is the other people, uh, the revolutionaries, uh, even even there are just one the boss, uh, if you yes boss. So ab abhi abhi, I see one of the one of the good things uh, I may say whether we see uh, we may agree or disagree about various governments, but one good thing that has happened in the last five six years is suddenly we are talking about other people. We are now talking about Patel. Yes. We are not now talking about Bose. Now, uh, the irony is Patel himself was a Congress person. But the Congress, unfortunately, because they wanted to perpetuate the memory of a particular dynasty, because later it became, a, unfortunately, a dynastic party. The, di the Congress was a leader of the Indian national movement. And the freedom movement. Yes, and I'll, I, I you, you just touched the but point. Because, That's why I got to start it. I'm but sorry because to the dynasty you. wanted to perpetuate the memory of a particular family, they cited and uh, and tried to overshadow other national figures. And now, finally, we are discussing. See, why are we discussing Savarkar? We would not have discussed him ten years ago. So, you know, we whether we agree or disagree is a very different matter. We can stick to our own thoughts. Everybody is free to have their own thoughts. This is a democracy and hopefully will remain a democracy. But we have to talk about all our national heroes. We have to talk about Ambedkar. We have to talk about the liberals. We have to talk about uh, Bose, Subhash Chandra Bose. We have to talk about Raj Bihari Bose. Finally, I'm glad this conversation has begun. And our young generation needs to look at the freedom struggle and all the strands of the freedom struggle or uske jo anek dhage hai un sabhiyon ka sabhi dhagon ka abhyas 
और उसके बारे में वाचन करना जरूरी है लेखन करना जरूरी है बिल्कुल सही बात कही है आपने अगर आपने नेशनल कांग्रेस की बात करी थी तो मैं बस इसी दरमियान से कुछ बातें मैं पढ़ रही थी तो मुझे पता चला कि ये नेशनल कांग्रेस मतलब इंडियन नेशन कांग्रेस की स्थापना जो थी वो ब्रिटिश अधिकारी ने की थी और इस ब्रिटिश अधिकारी ने इसलिए स्थापना करी थी कि जो इंडियंस की जो प्रॉब्लम्स है वो ब्रिटिश क्वीन के पास में पहुंचे या फिर वो पता चले लेकिन द वहां पर आपको शायद उस पर ज्यादा प्रकाश आप डाल पाएंगे कि वो जो स्थापना हुई थी उसमें किंग्स लैंड वही लोग ज्यादा थे गवर्नमेंट सर्वेंट ज्यादा थे आर्मी थे और आर्मी के अधिकारी थे और ये सिर्फ इतना ही हो रहा था कि इंडियन गवर्नमेंट को इंडियन को गवर्नमेंट में ज्यादा ब्रिटिश गवर्नमेंट में ज्यादा सर्विस मिले ऑफिसर्स की भर्ती हो जाए और आर्मी में जगह मिले देन आई थिंक दादा नौरोजी केम एंड देन ही स्टार्टेड थिंकिंग ऑफ द लॉ पीपल सो इस इस जो नेशनल इंडियन नेशन कांग्रेस की जो दादा भाई नौरो जी ने जो आगे उसको लेकर गए उसके बाद बारे में आप कुछ बात कर पाएंगे प्लीज बिकॉज यू नो दिस कांग्रेस वेन यू वेन यू टॉक अपर टू कांग्रेस इट इज ऑलवेज थिंग दैट इट इज अ घराने शाही ठीक है बट हाउ इट स्टार्टेड हुटेड इट एंड हाउ वॉट वॉज द यू नो रीजन ऑफ स्टार्टिंग इट सो कैन यू प्लीज टेल अस अबाउट इट आपने बिल्कुल सही कहा कि यू नो पहले तो दूसरे यू नो बहुत ही एलिट किस्म के लोग तब के एलिट समाज के लोग कांग्रेस में रहा करते थे रिच पीपल एंड ऑल दैट बट ग्रेजुअली ऐसा हुआ कि जैसे भारत में शिक्षण का प्रसार हुआ और भारतीय लोग अधिकाधिक शिक्षण लेके मोर एंड मोर क्वालिफाइड होते गए जैसे गोखले जैसे लोग थे बदरुद्दीन त्यागजी जैसे लोग थे या फिर मोहम्मद अली जिन्ना जैसे लोग थे वो कांग्रेस के साथ शामिल हुए और एक कांग्रेस का भारतीय करण कुछ ही समय में होने शुरू हो गया और वो ज्यादा अधिक भारतीय होने लगी कुछ ही समय में और फिर गोखले उसके बड़े नेते बने और उनके सामने जो राइवल थे उन्हीं के पक्ष में कांग्रेस में वो थे तिलक और वो जो दूसरे वो तिलक और गोखले वो डोमिनेंट लीडर्स हो गए क्योंकि वो बहुत ही ब्रिलियंट दोनों लोग थे और वो दो कांग्रेस में दो प्रवाह निर्माण हो गए एक जो मॉडरेट्स का प्रवाह था और एक एक्सट्रीमिस्ट का प्रवाह था एंड द कांग्रेस बिगेन टू गेट मोर एंड मोर असर्टिव एज इंडियन स्टार्टेड गेटिंग मोर एंड मोर असर्टिव विद एजुकेशन विद अवेयरनेस एंड विद एनलाइटनमेंट तो तिलक का जो पक्ष था वो प्रवाह था कि नहीं हैया हमारे अधिकार हमें प्राप्त करने ही है कुछ भी करके और गोखले का ये गोखले उनका जो समूह था उनका प्रयत्न ये था कि नहीं हम ब्रिटिशर्स से बात करते हैं उनके सामने उनके साथ चर्चा करते हैं और वो उन उनको ब्रिटिश राज हमारे लिए अच्छा है बुरा नहीं है तो उनसे हम अधिकार प्राप्त करते हैं लेकिन उनको अपने मित्र समझ तिलक कहते थे कि ब्रिटिश जो लोग हैं उन्होंने भारत छोड़ना चाहिए ये हमारा देश है हम पर राज करने का उनको कोई अधिकार नहीं है तो हमको अधिकार मिलने चाहिए गोखले का ग्रुप का ऐसा कहना था और वो उसी वो थोड़ा सा टाइम अलग था तो यू नो ग्रेजुअली पीपल स्टार्टेड आस्किंग फॉर राइट्स तो उनको अभी हम इक्कीसवीं सदी में बैठ के हम ऐसे नहीं कह सकते थे हाँ लेकिन वो तो ब्रिटिश के दोस्त थे तभी देवर डीलिंग विद द रियलिटी ऑफ द सिचुएशन यू हैव टू डील विद वॉज इन पावर सो देवर अप्रोचिंग देम एंड ट्राइंग टू गेट राइट तो इस तरह से कांग्रेस का एवोल्यूशन हुआ और जैसे समय बीतता गया उस तरह वैसे ही तिलक का जो ग्रुप था, था वो अधिकाधिक मजबूत और लोगों की समझ ये बढ़ती गई कि नहीं वो हमारे अधिकार है हम पे तो कोई मेहरबानी नहीं कर रहे कि हम वो अधिकार देकर ये हमें किसी भी परिस्थिति प्राप्त करने ही है और स्वतंत्र प्राप्त करने एंड देन द गोल ग्रेजुअली शिफ्टेड टू कम्प्लीट इंडिपेंडेंस तिलक बिगैन दिस ऑन
राइट मुझे लगता है हम लोग कुछ समय समाप्ति के और है शायद समर और लुकमान टिलर जो थे जस्ट टू ब्रिंग वन मोमेंट उन्होंने मासिस में ये नेशनल मूवमेंट लेके गए जो आप बोल रहे थे एलिट लोग थे पहले कांग्रेस में तिलक ऐसे तिलक ने ऐसे नेतृत्व लाया कि वो सामान्य व्यक्ति भाषा में बोलने लगे उन्होंने सामान्य व्यक्ति की एक्टिविटी शुरू की सामाजिक स्तर पर जैसे गणेशोत्सव की शुरुआत की शिवाजी जयंती की शुरुआत की और भारतीयत्व और राष्ट्रीयत्व इसके बारे में लोगों में जागरूक निर्माण की उन्होंने अपने वृत्तपत्र में जो केसरी है मराठा है उनमें भारतीय संस्कृति के बारे में भारतीय का भारतीय लोगों का जो 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 पास्ट है जो कल्चरल हेरिटेज है वो कितना स्ट्रॉन्ग और अच्छा है इसके बारे में अवेयरनेस निर्माण की क्योंकि ब्रिटिश ने हमेशा कहा कि वो यू आर अनसिविलाइज पीपल तो तिलक और सावरकर जैसे लोगों ने कहा कि नहीं और औरोबिंदो घोष और टगोर ऐसे लोगों ने कहा नहीं भारत को एक अपनी स्वतंत्र एक की एक स्वतंत्र आइडेंटिटी है उनका एक पास्ट है जो बहुत ही रिच है जो इंडियंस डोंट हैव टू बी अपोलोजेटिक वी हैव अ रिच सिविलाइजेशन वी हैव अ रिच कल्चर वी हैव अ रिच हिस्ट्री तो इसके बारे में जैसे ही अवेयरनेस बढ़ा उसी प्रकार से भारतीयों का एक सेल्फ कॉन्फिडेंस बढ़ा and this then they started making demands for freedom and that is how the indian national congress changed right then i i think 1937 uh, indian uh, congress all india muslim league also uh, established uh, i या उसके आगे हम लोग चलते हैं बिकॉज क्विट इंडिया के बारे में बात नहीं करें तो मुझे लगता है स्टोरी ऑफ रिवॉल्यूशन नहीं पूरी होगी तो हम लोग आखिरी पड़ाव पर है समर्थ इससे अग्री करेंगे कि टाइम समाप्त नहीं तो समर्थ बिल्कुल टिक टिक की तरह बता देंगे समय समाप्ति का आदेश वेल well, उससे पहले हम लोग बात करते हैं नाइनटीन आई सपोज क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट उसके बारे में प्लीज आप बताए उसमें उसके बारे में बहुत ऐसे गलत समझ 42 के बारे में है जिसके बारे में हमें बात करनी चाहिए कि काफी लोगों ने भारत में क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट का विरोध किया था और उन भारतीयों को आजकल एंटी नेशनल कहा जाता है कि वो ब्रिटिश कोलैबोरेटर थे ना उसमें ऐसे सावरकर थे अंबेडकर थे इंडियन लिबरल्स एसोसिएशन उसमें था मुस्लिम लीग तो था ही लेकिन उस उसमें उसके बारे में गलत समझ इसलिए है कि क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट लॉन्च करना है या नहीं इसके बारे में भारतीयों में ही मतभिन्नता और कांग्रेस में ही बहुत ही बड़ी मतभिन्नता थी अभी सच तो यह है कि पंडित नेहरू भी उस वक्त क्विट इंडिया लॉन्च करने के खिलाफ थे उसका कारण अलग था कारण वो 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 लोग एंटी नेशनल नहीं थे उनका आ, लोगों का आर्ग्यूमेंट ऐसा था कि ये समय ऐसा आंदोलन लॉन्च करने का है या नहीं इस पर पूरी चर्चा हो रही थी तो सावरकर आंबेडकर और टू एन एक्सटेंट पंडित नेहरू इनका कहना ये था कि ये समय वॉज नॉट इन फेवर ऑफ क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट और और ये समय ठीक नहीं है इसका कारण ये था कि वर्ल्ड वॉर टू शुरू था नाइनटीन से और जैपनीज uh, हमारे बॉर्डर के करीब थे uh, और अगर ब्रिटिश हमने क्विट इंडिया आंदोलन शुरू किया और ब्रिटिश अचानक निकल के हार गए तो अराजकता फैल uh, जाएगी और बड़े पैमाने पे सिविल वॉर हो सकता है ऐसा कई लोगों को डर था नेहरू का भी कहना यह था कि अभी नहीं लॉन्च करते हैं द टाइम इज नॉट राइट द क्वेश्चन वॉज नॉट वेदर ब्रिटिश शुड क्विट इंडिया और नॉट पीपल वो अग्रीड एट ब्रिटिश शुड क्विट इंडिया शुड वी फाइट एन एजुटेशन टू द फिनिश at this point in time that was the question and people people thought let's wait for a while let's see how the war goes some people were also thinking like nehru that the japanese if they got it agar british chhod ke gaye aur japanese andar aaye to bahut hi bura haal bhartiyon ka ho sakta hai kyunki japanese are very cruel 
और जापानीज लोगों ने काफी अत्याचार किए थे उस टाइम यू नो जिन प्रदेशों में वो वो घुस चुके थे वहां पे काफी अत्याचार हुए थे तो वो और तो नेहरू ने जो इंस्पायर किए हुए भारत में किसान सभास थे कंट्री उन्होंने भी क्विट इंडिया का विरोध किया था अल्टीमेटली नेहरू एंड पटेल दे ऑल ज्वाइन इन द क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट बिकॉज दे वर फॉलोअर्स ऑफ गांधी एंड दे वेंट टू जी एज वी है टेक्स्ट बुक्स बट फिर एक बार यहाँ ब्लैक एंड व्हाइट की यू नो की स्थिति आ जाती है कि अरे क्विट इंडिया मूवमेंट को विरोध किया मतलब तुम तो मतलब प्रो ब्रिटिश थे ऐसा नहीं है इसलिए हमें मुझे लगता है ठीक से बताया गया नहीं है कि इस मूवमेंट के बारे में जो so we were we were talking about uh, the story of the revolutionary movement against british in india there's so many phases from 1857 till 1947 so we had discussed all these uh, elements in this discussion Twenty years of existence, two universities, twenty-three educational institutes, offering a hundred and thirty-seven courses. Rai Sony Group of Institutions: A Vision Beyond.